Hi, I'm Olaomi Brigway, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above the level of thinking. Are you looking for transformation from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast. This week, I had the pleasure of sitting down with the multi-talented Mrs. Tony Uyemade to discuss all things confidence, a topic that you'll probably agree is supremely relevant in today's world, where we are routinely masking our feelings of insecurity with false smiles and picture-perfect Instagram photos. How does confidence come? How does one grow in it? How do you get back on your feet when life has knocked you down? And most importantly, what is God's role in helping you overcome crippling fear and insecurity to become who he has created you to be? Today's episode is fun, it's inspiring, it's full of laughs, and it is definitely packed full of practical wisdom. It's a must listen if you're someone who has ever felt incapable of reaching your true potential. My name is Alami Brigway and I'm your host. Stay tuned. I want to say thank you very much. It's such a privilege to have you on the podcasts, you know. Um, and I love the fact that we're literally just having a conversation. I said, Oh, will you come on the podcast? And you're like, Yes, I'll come. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so grateful to have you here because I'm ready to learn, I'm ready to laugh, I'm ready to. Um, gain a lot of insights and I'm pretty sure everyone that's going to listen to this is going to gain as much as I believe that I will gain from it. So thank you very much for coming on the Super Abundant Life podcast. And thank you for inviting me. I am also very privileged besides the fact that I want to run. You know, when you have conversations where you don't realize you're locking yourself up and then you can't get out of it. So Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, so it's good. <laughs> it's good that we locked you in and you're here. I'm really grateful for your time. So today we're talking about confidence. We're talking about confidence, self-esteem, and coming into your own. Now, if there's ever a relevant topic for women, particularly, this is it. This is it. A lot of us women struggle with confidence. We struggle with esteem. Uh, we struggle with coming into our own, not being able to show up the way we truly feel and believe within ourselves that we should be showing up. So I'm mm. very excited to start this. So my, my first question to you is, I've heard different, different versions. People, some people say you are born confident, that some people just appear to have it and some don't. Some people say it's a skill that you develop. Some say it's something, you know, life molds you into either being confident or not confident. So what, what's your view on that? Do you think confidence is something that you're born with? You either have it or you don't, or you think it's something that can be developed? Okay, so um, my view is very simple. I know, I personally believe that when we are born, we're all born on the same slate. Like every baby is born clean, plain, empty, and then it's almost like an empty cup. And then what do you put inside the cup? Now I know that some scientists say when the baby is in the womb, there are certain things you can say, you can do that already begins to form, you know, how a child becomes and all of that. Yes, there's a place for that. But it's not like some people are born confident. I believe we're all born, quote and unquote, equal. However, our confidence is now built over the years. So it is something that you acquire. And I would say that it's acquired by family. So the family you're born into, how you're raised by your family, your experiences, your background. For some, it's your school. For some, it's your social strata. There are so many things that you can then begin to put in that cup hmm. that then decides how confident you become as you grow in life. And I believe that the first to 10 years of a child, first to 10, are very important in the kind of confidence and esteem that that child will have onwards. The things that you do, that you say to a child, even as young as three, four, five, 
goes a long way in determining what that person begins to think about themselves, how that person feels about themselves, how that person gauges their life as against another person's life. And so a lot of that plays a big role in confidence. I remember watching, um, I was watching a documentary on the psychology of the human being and there was something about leaving a baby crying and not holding the baby and how that goes a long way even in affecting interpersonal relationships than the babies that you carry when they are crying so something as little as when you are just between zero to 12 months can impact your life so strongly growing up and i thought that was amazing so for me confidence is acquired over the years Maybe some people are born confident, I don't know. But even if you are born with zero confidence, which I just believe well, or just born clean, confidence is now built from one day to the other, one word to another, all sorts of things like that. Hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's something that I believe as well. And I love the way you described it, that everybody is born on a clean slate and yep. almost like a blank canvas. Blank sheet, exactly, exactly. I even heard somebody describe it this way that, you know, because every child that comes, we believe as Christians that they leave the presence of God, essentially they come out of God and then they take on a body and they come into this world. So, you know, someone's theory is that that's why children are so, you know, everything to them is possible. Mm, mm, exactly. That's beautiful. Yeah. But then we now begin to train them. Yeah. You believe that no, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. But yeah. they come with that sense of impossibility, like there's nothing I can't achieve because they've just mm-hmm. of the presence of God where everything is possible. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Yes. So you know, casting your own mind back, because I you know, I like to talk about you know people's experiences using real life stories and so on. Would you say that you were a confident child or even a teenager? Or, or not, or growing up? <laughs> <laughs> I would say that I was a talkative child. <laughs> but talkative doesn't necessarily mean confident, which is two different things. Now, how would I describe confidence? I think it's a state within. Many people on the outside can seem very, you have it all together, everything is, you know, you just seem very cool, calm and collected. However, you are just dying on the inside. Mm. The problem is nobody can see that. And I think that is really what a lot of us have perfected over the years. We've worn so many masks that just shade our real feelings and emotions on the inside and on the outside, we can act all braggado. But somewhere, somewhere along the line, the mask opens whether you like it or not. So for me personally, um, I grew a talkative child. In fact, well, yeah, my name is Toy. My mom used to call me Toto because she has a command Toto, 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 Toto. I am the last of six children. Maybe I also had what I would call last born confidence. I think that sometimes last children also have this certain kind of freedom. And it's, uh, especially if you have much older ones, there's this, um, you are just, you are freer than most of the children. So maybe I had that. But when it then comes to confidence, especially how I thought about myself and how I thought, thought about myself as against the other person, then the flags would be there. Mm. And um, I would say that this happened also a lot because, and I don't know if this is just African parents, so but. Um, growing up and also understanding life, I realized that parents like to use the negative to try to bring out the positive, right. which is absolutely, is the word counterintuitive or, I don't know, you are the, you are the super abundant life person. <laughs> Counterproductive, thank you. So African parents will say you do something, oh, you are stupid, you are foolish. Can you not see your friend? Lagbaja, Lagbaja has done this and this and this and this. What is wrong with that? I heard a lot of that growing up. Now, what they were trying to do was thinking that when they say you're stupid, you become wise. Right. Or when they compare you to Lagbaja, then, you know, you just, Lagbaja's free to come upon you. But somehow, and I'm just using Lagbaja for those that don't know, just as an example of a name so that I don't call anybody's name. Um, but somehow what those things do is that it just reinforces what is being said to you. 
So instead of it to produce the good that they think it would produce, if you hear that you are stupid 50,000 times, all you would think about yourself is that you're stupid. Yep. It yep. doesn't help you to think that. She doesn't help you to aspire to be wise. And even if you aspire to be wise, because the power of what we hear is what forms who we are, hmm. then you just continue to become that which you hear. And so for me growing up, um, my, my mom especially, and she's not, my mom is alive. Mommy, I love you. I hope you never listen to this. <laughs> she was one of those mothers who just felt, you know, it was all about the cane and the beating and the wrong words and all of that. So there are many things I heard growing up that really didn't help me. But I didn't realize that that was even playing out until I got to secondary school. Primary school, I think I was quite good. I think I still had a certain sense of innocence, and that, which is why I like what you said about, you know, when we are born with all sorts of possibilities and everything is possible. But over the years, somehow, something you could do at five and you just wanted to jump from a skyscraper down with no fear. You are 20 and you are just on the first floor and you're already afraid. It's, it's amazing how humans evolve and we change over time. Getting to secondary school, I just realized, and I went to an all-girls school. So maybe it was also the first time, I think there's something that happens when, number one, you go to boarding house, and number two, you go to boarding house with your own gender. I think it does something interesting, you know. In the Then all of you are people girls, there's a bigger space for comparison, there is a bigger space for competition. There are just so many things in the mix. And it was at that point I realized that if they said, I was one of those children in primary school that could talk for nations. But in secondary school, I did not join anything like debates, any leadership position. I was just one of those that if they said, do this, do this, do this, I would just feel, no, I can't. And every other person was just always better than me. Hmm. And literally... And I mean, if anybody listens to this, that means my second school, I'm sure they would not think like that because more than anything, I was quiet, but I knew what was working inside of me. So my that it might just have seemed like, oh, she's just one of those quiet ones. But nah, it wasn't just a form of quietness. It was a form of, even if you felt you could, there was just something about, before they'll make fun of you now, before they will say, you might not do it well, something, something, something. And all of those things come from a place of lack of self-confidence. What I've learned in life is this. Even if you can do something at 100%, if you are not confident, you would never be able to do that thing. And there are some people that can do something at 10%, but their confidence is so high up there that their 10% seems like it was 1,000%. Because it's really not about talent or ability or gifting a lot of the times. It's about the confidence that you bring to the table in showing off that talent and that ability and that gifting. I'm someone that loves to watch reality TV shows, X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, America's Got Talent. I can binge on those for days. And it's amazing how someone that has a beautiful voice comes out, is shaking, and this, and they have to say, you know, the, the person finishes singing, and I'm wondering, is it that she can't hear herself? And the judges have to say, you know, you're really good. And the person is just looking as if, are they saying rubbish? And the song comes who... They pick up the mic and you're like, oh my God, was there no family member that could tell you you cannot sing? Yet, their personality and everything is so amazing. And they finish singing rubbish and expect you to tell them they did wonderful. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, life is so amazing. You know, so it's just, it's interesting. So for me, that was the kind of child that I found myself coming into. So I really struggled with a lot of self-esteem um, I, I just wasn't the good enough girl. I just wasn't the person who could do it the best. And sometimes it's not because you're doing it the best. Confidence means trying even if you feel you're not the best. It's just that ability to put yourself forward because you see yourself a certain way because you just believe that I am enough. Even as you're working towards perfection, which will continue to work till Jesus comes until we die. But in every time and season, being able to say, I am good enough for this. I'm good enough to put myself forward. I'm good enough to stand there. I'm good enough to speak. I'm good enough to be called for this. I'm good enough to reach out for this. I just was never that kind of child. And I struggled with that for years. Hmm. And it's amazing that um, I then picked an industry where you had to be quote unquote confident. <laughs> so... 
Um, I think that was where I learned that we are fantastic actors. Like, truly speaking, God must be the best director in the world and all his children are actors <laughs> because... I mean, you would think someone like me would maybe go for a profession where you have to sit at the back lines and don't have to talk. But then I chose media because at the age of 10, I fell in love with media. And I just always said I wanted to go into broadcasting media and all of that. And so I got into university to study mass communication, which I did. And then you would have to present something in front of class and I'm just dying inside. Like, hey, Holy Ghost, my English, my this my that. Can I? Can I not? Oh my Lord. Oh my days. But I think somehow along the way, God sort of couched me. Um, and I said that because, for example, when the radio station of Unilag started, Unilag FM, and that was in 2003 or four, I think, I was randomly selected by a lecturer that I don't know until today why the man selected me randomly selected and just said you are going to be one of the four that will start this thing and i was like eh? me but i didn't even have a choice i just had to and what those kinds of experiences did for me so i started working in the radio station i got the, the four of us that i picked got groomed we were taking to um, one fm i can't remember the name right now where we radio um, radio fm where we were groomed for a couple of months and then we came back to Lag fm and we're presenting and i remember my mom always being so proud because um, our church used to be opposite um, Medilag, which is Chapel of the Healing Cross. So many people in that church are also in Unilag, and they'll call her and say, we just heard your daughter on radio. And remember, I'm like, hmm, if it's by all the things you told me in my lifetime, I'll not be doing this kind of thing. <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> you have dropped so many, so many nuggets so so many wisdom bombshells that i just need to dial it back a little bit so you know going back back to what you said and i think what you said about african parenting um it is so relevant because there is a drive for an african parent the way we were raised there's a drive for your child to Mm -hmm. heal and it was always like reverse psychology um, to try exactly to through reverse psychology and comparison and competition into becoming exactly now i also noticed that a lot of times because in addition to i think the two biggest influences in a person's life and you know you can comment on this would be so the authority figures in their in their life when they're growing up so parents teachers in the formative years and then the second yep. best influence is your own self-talk. How do you talk to yourself? Absolutely. Because once you become an adult, truly what people say to you is not nearly as important as what you say to yourself. As what you say to yourself. Yes. And I, it, it feels like we have picked up that self-talk, the nature of self-talk from the way we're spoken to as children. So, you feel like you want to motivate yourself, but that self-talk is so negative, you know, almost constantly putting yourself down. And you talked about experiences in secondary school, going in secondary school where like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And the more we repeat those things, the more negative our self-talk gets, mm-hmm. the more we mm-hmm. get buried in that rut and you're actually not able to dig yourself out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's... it's um. You know, the thing about self-talk is, I think also, it is now, at least personally for me, it is maybe some, well, some years ago, maybe 10 years ago, something that we, I came to understand the importance of self-talk. So it's not like when you are young, you know the power of what you're saying to yourself. At least for me, some people know. For me, I didn't know. It was just normal. And I'm actually someone that talks to myself a lot. Like I consider myself as a human being. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Like, I, I actually have conversations. Like, I consider myself as a person, so I can come out of myself. I hope this doesn't sound spooky. I remember I was somewhere in the shop, and I was just saying something. So the guard came and said, "Sir, what are you saying?" And I'm like, "Oh, sir, I was talking to myself." And the guy was truly shocked, and I was like, "Sorry, I said yes. I was talking to myself." He said, "That is bad." And I was educating. I said, no, that is good. And you should talk to yourself sometimes. Are you not a human being? And the guy was just looking at me like, I was crazy. But I, 
Yes. I, you know, I was just like, you really should talk to yourself at times. So I used to do that, but I think I also used to do that because um, I used to be alone a lot of the time. So when there was nobody to talk to, and this was many years ago, there was nothing like phone, GSM, BBM, WhatsApp, nothing. So in that alone time, I mean, baby girl got to talk to somebody. Somebody is herself. So, <laughs> so it wasn't like I knew the importance of self-talk or what self-talk was. I was just having conversations with myself. If I had known what I know now then, then I would have then been speaking better to myself. Hmm. And even when you know, because it doesn't mean that when you are then aware of that knowledge, it is not easy to change because at the same time, I think it works two ways. There's a place of self-talk, changing how you feel about yourself. But there is also the place of how you see yourself affecting the way you speak to yourself. Wow. So it works in both ways. So there is the place of, I'm trying to confess to get this to happen, but there's also the place of, see, this is really how I feel. And Mm -hmm. whether you like it or not, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's right. So it takes a serious consciousness to be aware that regardless of how I feel, I will line up my words with what is right or what the word of God says. That in itself is a continuous battle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, one of the key, you know, scriptures of my life is Romans 12, 2. I say is be transformed by the Mm, renewing of your mind. And I, you know, I also believe that one of the foundational ways that we renew our minds is through what we speak. Yeah. So you, you mentioned how God helped you, you know, transitioning from secondary school into university from, and it, you know, it, it's quite a dramatic transformation, what you've said, because you went from, you know, being very talkative as a child, primary school, <laughs> going, going into secondary school mm-hmm. and suddenly falling quiet and keeping to yourself, not really hanging out with people. Um, and then, you know, going into university. Uh, so when you say God, because there are people that are listening to this and thinking, how, how do I, as a Christian, build my confidence? And I know that God is the business of helping us build our confidence. What was your own experience? How did he help you build your confidence? Okay, what you've just said, I just remember something else, and I'll backtrack a bit. Another thing that affected confidence, and these are things that sometimes you don't like to talk about, but I was born with a silver spoon. My father had an amazing job. Everything was amazing, was good. When I became 10, which was also at the time when I was going to secondary school, something happened and he lost his job and life changed. Hmm. That transition in itself affected me as a human being because I also had a, quote and unquote, a way that I thought my life was going to (laughs) go. And it's amazing that even as children, we are aware of certain things. We are aware of rich and poor. We are aware of certain things, even at some young ages. And in Nigeria, it was impossible not to be aware. Not to be aware. Do you know? yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was impossible. <laughs> so I went to a certain type of primary school. And I, I will not support my primary schools. And I can say that at that time, there were only two primary schools that were, quote, unquote, the primary schools. And mm. I went to one of them. And it was expected that after this primary school, I'll go to a certain type of secondary school. Yeah. And after that secondary school, I'll just go abroad. Like, it was yeah. as if life had this trajectory. However, when life changed, I did not go to that secondary school. So I think that in itself affected esteem to a major level. And I'm saying this for someone listening who, because there are many of us like that, who it is, quote unquote, social strata, demography, whatever it is that has affected your confidence or esteem because you've lost something that you once had or because you just never had it. Mm. And like you say, in the society that we are born in, there is a, whether you like it or not, it is just all over. It just seems like those that, that they are the haves and the have nots. And if you fall on the have nots already, it's like you can't even have confidence mm. because your confidence is born from having. Yes. Yes. That is how so, the society operates. Absolutely. And it's a major challenge. Mm. 
And what I came to learn, so I, I don't know why I remember that, but it was from what you said that I read that one of the issues why I also went quiet in second school was that it wasn't even the kind of second school I was supposed to go to, at least in my opinion at the time. So it was just such a culture shock, life shock. I was carrying water keg on my head, 50 liters keg, fetching water from the well. And I'm like, I don't get it. I know who I am. Please, how did I get here? <laughs> So I couldn't just be that towing anymore. So that childish towing died. Like I was just like, hey, this is a struggle life. <laughs> was but looking back, it was all in the past of the divine plan of God, but we'll get back there. So your question is then, how did God then help me? So I think that what God does is he sets us up hmm. at different times and seasons in life. He already sees that. God knows all of us. He knows us. Nobody can know us more than him. He knows your struggles, your failures, your weaknesses, your low self-esteem, your low self-confidence. You know God. He knows the beginning from the end. So for me, I began to see those setups. And even then, I didn't think they were, they were setups. But thinking back now with hindsight. So first, joining the radio station, where whether you liked it or not, you had to speak. Choosing Mascom, like I said, maybe... If I had not found media at the age of 10, then by the time I was making a decision of what to study and becoming who I had become, I would have just said, let me go and look for, I don't know, some course where I'll just be in the back lines. But I had already set that thing in place from when I was a young child. I, if I remember when I was going to university and my father had said, ah, this course you want is only available in one school that was far in the East. And I said, this is the course I want by fire by force. So I think all of that in itself was a setup. So whether I liked it or not, I was always then put in situations where I had to be in front. I had to speak. I had to show a certain form of confidence. And I would say that for a very long time, I, okay, I know people say, fake it till you make it. Let me say I faithed it. <laughs> till I made it. You know, for a very long time, I would have to hold the microphone and I'm just like, hey, will you go still? And I'm second-guessing myself all the way, but I have no choice. I just have to. Now, what those things were doing, I wasn't consciously working on building my self-confidence because there's a place where you have to then make it a conscious decision. Yes. But it was at least making me do the things that I would not have done. Hmm. And that in itself was helping me. But there are many things that I should have done that I didn't do because the internal work had not been done. Okay. Before we go to the internal work, I, let's, let's stick with the action taking. Um, because um, confidence, I believe that part of, part of growing in confidence is through taking action before. Mm -hmm. And that's what I heard. That's what I heard from what you said. So, God basically putting you in positions and opening up opportunities where yep. in your own case, you couldn't run away. This was your lecturer basically saying you are doing it yep. and being in that kind of position and then taking the action, the confidence, you didn't know it then you didn't sort of categorize it and say my confidence is growing, but that, that yeah, exactly was what was happening through taking action. Yeah. Um, and what I've learned and I'm learning is, even when you don't feel like doing something, when you feel inadequate, if you just begin to take small steps towards that absolutely, you'd be shocked at how your confidence will grow because the further you go towards it, in fact, you break into a run after a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. Action is one of the most powerful things. And the problem is we wait till we feel it before yeah. we do it. Mm. But no, you feel it as you begin to do it. I remember when my mom would call me and she would say, ah, they said they heard your voice on radio. Me too, my voice was, my, my head was swelling. So the more, you know, I even got that kind of feedback, mm. the more that I felt, okay, maybe you're not that bad actually. Okay, maybe you're trying. Okay, maybe you can actually do this thing. And it was helping to then build my confidence. But if you keep waiting till you feel it, you would never feel it. And so you would never do it. That's right. 
that's right and i and i believe that you know well not believe i i've observed that a lot of times when people talk about gaining or increasing that confidence they begin to acquire knowledge so i want to start <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to, you know, go and acquire as much knowledge or I want to gain a promotion. I want to go into this career. And then they are feeding themselves with all this knowledge. It's good to have knowledge, but at some point, that knowledge should move you into action. Absolutely. Because the confidence will not really come until you actually step out. And you- I used to be like that. I used to be a knowledge somebody. And I think sometimes I'm still like that. So you hide behind the knowledge. Hmm. But then if you're doing nothing with the knowledge, you won't even, because even the proof of the fact that you have the knowledge is in the application. That's right. (laughs) It's not in the acquisition. That's right. So for us to even test all these masters, PhD, certificate, everything, is that when you now finish, you're not like, okay, how am I going to apply this? Then you know what you really know. Then you realize that textbook knowledge is even different from real life. Yes. Happenings, you know, and then you then realize if you really have this knowledge in you and how to begin to work it out and shape it out. So, we, we, and which is why they always say the most educated people in the world are Africans. We know how to hide behind knowledge. We yeah. are very good. We can read books, we can read PhD, everything, but nah. Yeah. Until absolutely. you do and you make yourself do, you are not going to achieve anything. Exactly. And make yourself do, especially when, you know, we had this a men's conference and there was uh, Dr. Kusmas Maduka, you know, of course, Cherish. And he said the difference between him and the quote unquote random educated guy, when he started, I think his only education was either primary school or everyone junior secondary school or something. He said the difference is if he wants to do something, eh, he will just decide, is this what I want to do? How do I begin to do it? And he will start. The educated man wants to do something, then says, which school can I go to to go and begin to learn how to do this? <laughs> and when he said it, I said, ah, this man knows what he's saying. That if I want to do something, me, I'll just say, how do you do it? Oh, okay, you want to build a car? Wow. They said, take this tire, take this wall, begin to put it, you begin to put it. Everyone would say, I need to go and learn mechanical engineering. Hmm. There's a place for that. Hmm. But action, a man that has, that takes action, goes further than a man that just sits and is just getting knowledge. So there's a place for understanding the balance of the two. That's but right. action is very important. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. So what I, you know, what I hear you saying and what, you know, from, from, from what he said is even if you, you have a goal in front of you and you want to achieve something, the information you gather should be something that will help you take action. Absolutely. Not just for the sake of it. Not just, so if I'm gathering, and obviously, you know, we live in the information age, it, information overload. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you turn, there's another quote, everywhere you turn. <laughs> so, you know, we've, we've come to the point where we are taking all these things in and we're not, you know, on average, people are using maybe one billionth Absolutely, yeah. That is actually coming into them. And that's yeah. why there's really no change. There's yeah. No and change. a lot of the times as well, it's also what people call a fear of failure. Hmm. So already it's bad enough that you are not confident. Then you want to now go and disgrace yourself in the public. <laughs> but, like, Let's I have come... Failure. Let's talk about... How, how do you... Because fear of failure is real. Yes, it is. It is real. So someone wants to take a leap and they think, ah, it's not better to just gently stay in this comfort zone that I'm in than go and, like you said, disgrace myself. But failure in itself is about perspectives. Absolutely. It's about perspectives. I was listening to someone literally just before we came, you know, I came down to, re- to record this podcast. And the person was saying something about how if you take an event... So you, this person's an actress and so she auditioned um, six or seven times for a particular role. Um, and every time they told her no, she was like, okay, I'll just come back. And she kept coming back. And the interviewer asked her and said, how come, you know, you didn't view each, you know, why, why did you keep going back? And she said something that's so powerful. And she said, because each time I was rejected, I only saw it as an event. I didn't see it as the end. Uh, uh, I saw it uh. as, okay, 
this didn't work, but, and she said, until you get to the end of your life, you cannot fail. You can't know that anything until you're literally, I don't know, standing at the pearly gates Uh (laughs) (laughs) and it's all over. That's the only time you can truly say something is over. And the only definition of failure is when you stop trying. Absolutely. Amazing. So we're talking about, you know, we skipped back to talk about this. Now we're going back forward. Uh, So you, you talked about the internal work. What is internal work that relates to confidence and esteem, particularly as a woman? Ah, she could say. <laughs> is it? Is that? So deep? I'll talk. It is deep, but I'll talk from my personal journey. Yes. So, and I would say number one is. Accepting that you have issues or that you think you have issues. And I say that you think it might be that, okay, so many times we don't even accept that we have struggles or that we have weaknesses or to even just say, I lack self-esteem is a problem. Hmm. And until you can get to that point, you are not ready to begin the work. And it's not a bad thing to get to that point. But, you know, People feel, and I understand, I mean, of all the things you can even say is wrong with you, it's not that you lack confidence. It's not that you lack self-esteem. Maybe it's, girl, not, it's are, not popular. It's not popular and we'll then it's it not. Exactly. But at the end of the day, you lack it as you lack it. And trust me, you know what we don't realize many times is that if 10 of you are in a room, at least five of you are suffering the same complex. That's right. That is the truth. <laughs> that's just, and if you knew that, that's why everybody is there with their fine shoes, red lipstick, fine hair, everything is blinging. Trust me. You're all looking at one another because all of you have confidence issues. Mm-hmm. Everybody because, in the house has an issue. Yes. Because <laughs> if I don't have confidence issues, I don't need to look at you and be thinking, my head is... Do you understand? Yes. So which is why sometimes when you enter a room with women, we're all sizing each other up that's because... You are all trying to see, okay, I hope that I'm better. My bag is finer. My shoe is better. My teeth is better. I used to be that girl, but these days I really don't care. I don't even care is the truth. If today you say I should come somewhere and wear slippers, I don't care if you are wearing 10 inches, please, that's your leg. This is my leg. But you can only get to that point if at some point in your life you admit to yourself that you actually care, that it gets to you, Mm. that it matters to you. When you get to that point, you can then begin to do the work of, okay, how did I become like this? You have to go back to the root. All those other things manifesting are just the fruits. So you sit down with yourself. Like I said, I didn't know all of these things when I was young and all of this. It was at a point I got to my life and I was like, Twayma, why do you think like this? Why do you behave like this? Why do you shortchange yourself? Why do you self-sabotage yourself? Which, which is what a lot of us do. No world, no uncle in the village nobody's doing you it's you doing yourself by yourself and i had to realize that okay it's coming from one two three four hmm it's coming from things you heard as a child hmm maybe it's coming from when you did this competition and you thought you come first yes you came fifth and that's so the seed of maybe so you know you then analyze where it is coming from and this is in answering how to do the internal work so first admit it for what it is Hmm. When you can do that, take it back to the beginning. Sit down with yourself and have a soul-searching conversation. Where is this coming from? When were these seeds sown? Who sowed these seeds? You need to be able to go that deep. Okay, was this this person? Forgive and move on. Was it you by yourself? Forgive and move on. Then when you know that, what do I now need to begin to do? So if it was words and you've just heard all your life, you're such a failure, you're so ugly, you're so this, you're so that, then what do you need to tell yourself? Now, let me give an example. I personally think, no, I don't think I know. My nose is big. It's just what it is. My nose is big. Yes. Uh, it's okay. Let's just say the one that is <laughs> I do not say it's not gorgeous. I say it's big. It's big. So... I got a big nose. I, I, I just think I have like big facial features like eyes, nose, lips, and everything. It takes a confident woman to be able to admit that. So there you Yes, go. because it's big. In <laughs> fact, one friend, popular boy like this, he saw me one day, he said, you know, your name could have been Noslin. Oh, wow. 
Can you imagine? That's the day I even knew again that it was quite big. For someone to see me and say, they can call me Nozlin. I said, wow, wow, God, this nose is something else. <laughs> you know, now, it did not help that when I then got serious with broadcasting, I used to watch a lot of Sky News, BBC, and CNN. Now, why didn't it help? Because I was feeding myself a certain image of who the kind of woman in front of the camera should be. And who was this woman? She had a narrow nose and very nice small lips. Because when you go as narrow nose and very nice small lips. I'm saying the story to get somewhere. Mm. So anytime, so by the time, so, one of, so initially when I finished school, so I did radio throughout when I was in school. When I finished school, I had, I just wanted to act. And this is the, obviously my confidence have they have helped me to assess the next thing that all I wanted to do was acting. And as life will have it and as God will have it, and this is having a vision and an intention is powerful. I got to school one day. We had finished, maybe I had to collect my results or something. And I got to my department and I just saw on the board, acting auditions, something, something, something. I went with a friend. I got the part. I'd never acted before in my life. This was just between finishing school and waiting for NYC. In fact, I was making 15000 per episode. Maybe this was in 2006. Yes, it was big money. I was a young girl. I was already making big money. You know, but I realized that anytime I watched that thing, I just thought, ah, turn your nose is big. Ah, turn wow. you're not fine enough. Ah, like I just kept criticizing myself like, no, 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 no. So you know what happened? When I came back from NYC, what my heart really wanted to do was go fully into broadcasting. But there was something in my head that I'd sown a seed because I had seen myself on the screen wow. in that acting stint. And I thought to myself, uh, maybe your features are just not wonderful enough. And so I went instead into producing. So I decided to get a producing job instead of getting an on-air broadcasting or presenting or newscasting job, which is what my heart really wanted. Why? All because I thought my nose was big. This plagued me for years. This is so I couldn't do a camera interview for years. This is the industry I wanted to go into. So radio apparently, while it helped to build my speaking confidence, it didn't help to build my visual confidence because you were not visual. Hmm. The first time I would have a visual opportunity, I saw myself and I thought, oh my word, is this how you look? Hey, Chekwele, Chekwele. That was the end. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very dramatic. <laughs> and by the time I was going to make a decision, I decided to run behind the camera. And I did that for many years. Now, what broke me, and I'll still tie this coming back into how you build the internal confidence. I was watching TV one day. I'll not call the person. The person is a known person in media today. And this person was reading news. And all I could see were her big lips. And I truly think she has huge lips. And I thought to myself, oh my God, this girl has big lips. She did not say she will not do this thing. She's there doing her work. She's not killing herself. But she has big lips. She does not have big lips. This is you. You are for me. You have big news. Please, what is your problem? Do you know that broke something completely in me? So my third point is, when you're struggling with something, find someone who has had, or who you think has, a similar struggle, but has overcome it. Wow. This might be somebody that you know that consciously says, I have the struggle. Or somebody that, like me, I just also felt had features. person does not know till today. person does not know me till today. The person will never know the impact they had in my life. But all I had to do was watch this person on TV and I'm like, all these features has not stopped this girl from being where she is. So in please, what is your problem? And from then on, I decided, I remember when I shot the first season of Chapters and I went to show a very popular non-Nigerian, very popular person. And she watched it and guess the first thing this woman would say, ah, your nose is big, oh. Why didn't they help you use makeup to make it smaller? Really? Yes. That's so hence. And she really thought she was giving me good advice, which I mean, it could have been good advice. You know, she was saying it as the, yeah. as an egg bar of sorts. She wasn't saying it in a bad way. Which is quite typical of Nigerians. Yeah. Like, ah, you know, we just talk. 
<laughs> so she's like, ah, your nose is quite prominent to twin. Wow. You know, the makeup artist can make you, but you see, by that time, me has known my nose is prominent. Mm. So there's, it did not enter, it did not even pinch me at all. I have known it, I have accepted it, and said I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If it's this big nose the Lord gave me, it's okay. So I smiled, I did not take it, there was no pinch of salt, and we moved on. I have nothing against She just thought she was just giving good advice that you know what, next time let the makeup artist use the contouring and everything to make it slimmer. Maybe that one is necessary, but I wasn't moved. Somebody else, after they hear that one now, hey, they will never do anything again in their lifetime. That's right. And also because this was a person of, you know, a person that you hold in high esteem. Yeah. If yeah. you had told me that 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, I would have moved. Now, nothing is moving me. Which reinforces the points that we were making that your own, because at that point, your own self-talk. Exactly. Strong. I, I didn't even, I've just, you see, I didn't even need self-talk because I had accepted it. So my, yeah. my next point is accept whatever it is that is you. Yeah. Accept the totality and entirety of you. You were abused as a child. Accept it. You went to Olowo, Kiniko, Kiniko Primary School. Accept it. Your English is not so perfect. Accept it. You have only two pairs of shoes and you work in an organization where everybody is wearing Brazilian hair. Accept it. There are many things that we are allowing to feed who we are as people. We are allowing to feed the perceptions we form as ourselves. Accept you in your entirety. There are some things you cannot change about yourself. Well, these days you can change everything actually. So if you know the Lord said, go and change it. <laughs> That's yeah. up to you. Go and change it. When I was younger, and maybe we can go from here into body image as well, which is very important yes. for women. Yes. When um, I was young, yeah, okay, talk, yeah. I was, you know, what you said about accepting who you are and particularly when it comes to body features and so on, mainly because you can, you can only love what you accept. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. if you look at something that you consider unacceptable, how do you grow to love that thing if you continue mm-hmm. to think mm-hmm. it is unacceptable? Yes. So if we take certain areas or things of our lives and we personalize it, that will make us accept unacceptable to ourselves, then it's almost impossible to love ourselves. Yeah, it's absolutely impossible to love yourself. And I was in that space for many years. And I have come to be a preacher of self-love. Like, I remember posting something on Instagram about the early this year. And someone sent me a DM, eh, what are we supposed to love ourselves? Especially when you want to use Christianity, eh, what the Bible say, self-love. I said, please, Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you don't even love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. That's right. So don't go and be rereading the scripture. Never say, eh, he said, and I see all this English. I said, eh, please, love yourself. You are telling yourself a lie. If you can't love yourself and accept, and it doesn't mean accept it without trying to work on it. Mm-hmm. No, acceptance is just the first stage. Then whatever it is that you need to work on, because everything, we're all a work in progress. Yes. Certain things need to be worked on. Per time, per season, you are working on something. Some things are just unhealthy. You don't need to work on it. It's just you that has problem. Let's tell the truth. For example, you have a big nose. There is that's how God, when God was forming me and he put extra clay on my nose, he said, This is how it's going to be. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Even God will be saying, This child, you will not see what. You know? He said, You know, I think you need to be able to smell a lot of things. So, but I know in these days, because of Dr. 90210 and the rest, you can make it smaller. That is your cup of tea, right? There are some things that you can change. Those ones you should work on changing. Don't give yourself headache on the ones you cannot change. Hmm. That place of acceptance is very important. When I was younger, I used to be bigger. Now, it wasn't as if I was a size 14. All this one I said I used to be big down. But I have two older sisters who are quite hot. In fact, the first one has three children. Her firstborn is 19 this year. Either she still wears my size or sometimes she's even a size smaller. So, and she's 40-something, like in her mid-40s. So, they were always like my role models for how a girl should look. I 
used me i like food maybe these days i've learned how to but i used to like food a lot so i was chubbier basically and i used to think my boobs were very big like massive i and i always told myself that Tony, when you grow up you go and do breast reduction <laughs> like among the ambitions i had in life is that what's all this on your chest what's the problem <laughs> And I struggled with my body for years. Like I said, I was not, maybe max, I was a size between a 10 and a 12. I'm not even sure if I ever really wore a 12. <laughs> but there was just something about the fact that I didn't look like these women. And it didn't help that then as well, Dish was coming into Nigeria at about that, uh, 1994-ish and all of that. So we were more exposed to Western media. So then you also started to see certain shapes, certain sizes, what sexy was, what sexy wasn't. And I used to go, do all sorts of diets. There was a year where God knows I fasted for nothing less than 100 days. And I think in, I, I always say, the way I say it is this, God said I need to help this girl. And I was in a fellowship at the time in school. Somebody called a 40-day fast. As we're finishing now, another person called a 40-day fast. As we're finishing now, another person called a 20-day fast. I was just like, thank you, Jesus. By the end of that fast, someone had to come to me to say, please, are you sick? What's happening to you? But me, I knew as I was fasting spiritually, I was also trying to fast off this weight I thought was not right. Now, I say that to say that, and there are many people that listen to this, weight is a big issue. That's the truth. Mm. Now, the truth of the matter is, and let's tell ourselves the truth, there is no good weight. There is no bad weight. Some people are size zero and are not healthy. Some people are size 16 and are healthy. If you put size zero and size 16, size 16 will climb 50 steps and not pants. Size zero will climb 10 steps and die. <laughs> and I'm saying this seriously because at the end of the day, I sort of achieved my wannabe weight. In fact, like you know, I then had an image. I had seen J-Lo. Yes, J-Lo means Jennifer Lopez. Yes, I know Jennifer Lopez. So I had seen J-Lo. <laughs> I had seen her and I saw an image and I was just like, oh my God, this is the kind of woman I want to be like if I had 40 after children. And she became my body. Although I know that she, she has used money to do her body me is the spirit of the lord you know and that in itself is not a bad thing but i'm saying that if you are a certain weight and you desire to be another weight it's not a problem but desire it from a good point of view hmm. don't desire it number one because you don't like yourself number two because you are just trying to skin tell it because in your mind the desired body image of the world is a certain way Desire it because it's, it's a good desire if you want to be 20, 32, 28, 40. It's not a problem. Desire it simply because it is what you want and not because you look at yourself in the mirror and you can't stand yourself. Then that is wrong. Mm. Whatever it is. It's other areas of life. Every single area of life. Yeah. Body image is one of the things that affects every other thing no matter what you wear you go out and you just not like it affects confidence in ways yeah. that you can't imagine yeah it's just like every other person is just so much more better than you nothing fits nothing works you can stay in front of the cupboard you will try 50 things in one day you are trying to say hey does this one make my hips smaller hey does this one make my stomach tighter does this one make <sighs> please women we need to free ourselves Love yourself. You want to lose the weight. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Lose the weight. But love the way you are now. Whilst you're walking towards whatever it is that you want to get to. I absolutely love that. that I love that. That's, that's is the truth and it's great advice. It's great advice. Wow. So, um, how are you able to maintain? Because this was probably a few years ago. Um, how are you able to maintain your own, what's your, do you have a health regime or fitness regime or things along those lines? Uh, <laughs> you want me to tell the truth? Yes. I ain't got no fitness regime. I don't even think I am healthy. 
That's the truth. Let, let, I, I'm not, I don't think if I run one small run now, I'll be panting as if there's a certain set of steps that I have to take to get to my office every day. Still today, I took it and I was like, ah, I've not taken this step in a long time. I can feel it. Because, <laughs> so I don't even think I'm healthy. I might be a certain size, but I am not healthy. But how do I maintain my size? I think my brain just knows that this is it. And I think that it was the power of imagery. That's right. Very powerfully. When I did that jello thing, she had taken a picture. I went to look for the picture online. Then I took my, a picture of myself in that same pose. And at the time, I then put myself beside herself, like, well, like a collage. So I put two of us side by side. And I looked at that thing for, maybe it was my screen saver for like a year. And I think, personally, the way I say it is I think it just imprinted an image on my mind that, baby girl, this is it. Visualization is such a powerful thing, Absolutely. especially when you allow it to feed your mind subconsciously. So every time I pick my phone, whether I like it or not, I will see that image. So what I realize my body does without trying it, and this is what I've realized my body does, if I eat madly in one week, like I splurge, I go, I eat, I, as I'm like this, I can eat about 11 p.m. It does not move me in any way. But I realized that by the next week, automatically by itself, I would for some reason just go off food. Now, let me say this, this is not healthy or this is not a health lifestyle or this is just toying body. I still need to exercise more personally for health reasons, not even for weight reasons and all of that. I still need to exercise more. The Lord will be helping me. You know, I still need to do more fitness things. But in terms of keeping the weight, my body itself has just, it has just a known one system. Yes. That it has decided that this is how we're going to be, and I'm grateful to the Lord. It's absolutely powerful because what you're saying is is what we know, that, but we don't always sort of act on because our body, the body, and you know your experiences in life, etc. All these things are regulated by the image. Yeah, yeah. So trying to say, oh, you know, wanting to lose weight and um and so on without first of all addressing the image is almost futile yeah absolutely it will always come back to the image that is inside absolutely that is inside so and by the time i was doing that jello thing i had truly come to a place of self-acceptance like in fact i think i was even smaller at the time and i was almost getting but i'd come to a place where i'd already got into twins stop it what you're okay so I wasn't, if that wasn't what changed my image of myself, mm. my image of myself had already changed at that time. That was just what gave me a picture of what I believed I would like to look like. Awesome. Awesome. So powerful. There's been so, 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 so many um, wisdom bombs that have been dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you know, I, I'm so grateful. I want to say thank you, thank you so much for giving up your time for investing the ta- this time uh, to to record this podcast. I'm eternally grateful. Thank you. Thank you too. I really hope there've been wisdom bombs. <laughs> have been many, but, many, many. But con- truly speaking, confidence and self-esteem is a continuous journey for some people, and it's fine to be on that journey for as long as it takes you. But, the, sorry, I was going to say the first thing. The last thing I'll say is that desire is a powerful thing. Mm. And you have to allow yourself to get to the point where you strongly desire change in your life. If not, you won't change. That's right. Or you won't stay, we, stay with it. You won't stay with it, yes. We can wish certain things. As Christians, we can even pray certain things. No, 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 no. But it has not, it has not hooked you. Like the Lord is saying, the zeal of this thing, it consumed me. Mm. When it consumes you, because you realize the damage it is doing to you, something in your brain will switch and you'll begin to make effort to then make change. And then the change would flow easily from that place. But please, anybody listening to this, let go of all those issues of life. It's not necessary. And we are growing older. You know, we need, you need to be free. As a woman, there needs to be a certain freedom of mind and heart 
that then just allows you to be who God has called you to be. It's a journey. Sometimes it's not easy, but by the grace of God, we'll all get there. And there's really no there. You get there and then you realize there's something else again. Yeah, <laughs> so, the goalpost moves again. And you it can... moves again. There's really no end goal. There are other things now that I'm working on. So there's no there. But confidence for me is that foundation. Just self-esteem, self-love, and just being whole as you. Thank you so much. Super <laughs> abundant life. I've had an amazing time. And so I've shared all these life stories. My family members must not listen to this. <laughs> we, will, we will make sure they don't. We'll just find a way to block it. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you. I've had a wonderful time. And I'm pretty sure everyone that gets to listen to this episode of the podcast is going to be so touched. And Amen. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Hey, before you go, do me a favor. If you've enjoyed today's podcast or any of the ones that you've listened to, can you please share with friends, family and colleagues? Thanks.